0: Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced
1: by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. This week, I have a couple of guests from the road home. We have Michelle Flynn, who is the executive director. Hello, Michelle. Good morning. And Alicia Gleed, who is the communications specialist. Alicia, thanks for being on again.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
1: Michelle, maybe let's start with you. I I know that you became executive director at kind of an interesting time, February of 2020. If I think back to what was going on then, oh, yeah, the whole world changed. So how was how was starting out as executive director at The Road Home just as COVID was hitting us?
0: Yeah, that was definitely a challenging time in, in so many ways for, for our community and for our organization and our partners, really just focusing on safety and health safety uh, for the people that we were serving in our facilities each day, for our staff and for our partners. And I will say, uh, I think we worked really well together, though it was It was a a learning process to better understand what we needed to do to help protect people during a health pandemic. Uh, We worked closely with the health department in Salt Lake County and the state of Utah and managed to uh, proceed through with very low percent of cases. It also really propelled us to work together and partner uh, Mm -hmm. with new partners and with each other in a really, really strong way, which I think has kept uh, us. On a really good path to achieving the goals that we're trying to achieve throughout the community.
1: And you'd actually been with the Road Home for quite a while before that, so you weren't completely new to the to the program. Uh, kind of just give us your background and how you ended up uh, in your current role.
0: Oh, sure. Uh, I actually uh, got a job at the Road Home when I first moved to Salt Lake City, uh, and I was looking to work in a nonprofit that was making an impact. Not having worked in a nonprofit before, the first time I ever walked into a shelter, in fact, was for my job interview. And I have to say that moment was definitely life-changing for me as I stood waiting for my interview and uh, really just absorbed the impact of conversations that the staff were having with people who were seeking help. The feeling of a safe place, a welcoming place for people who needed help just compelled me to take that job as a grant writer. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I had the opportunity to essentially work from a desk behind the front desk of a shelter for about 20 years. And uh, really work with the clients, with our staff and with our community to help our agency, The Road Home, in a big transition from becoming an organization that was mainly focused on emergency shelter and just keeping people safe for the night Mm -hmm. to really expanding on that. And in fact, changing our name to The Road Home to reflect the work that we were doing to help people move back into a stable home in the community.
1: So give us kind of a snapshot of, I know you're celebrating 100 years, so this is a nonprofit that's been around for a while, just kind of the history of The Road Home. You mentioned a little bit about how things have changed, but uh, if you could just give us, you know, the elevator speech about who you are and, and how you've come to where you are today.
0: Absolutely. The Road Home, our mission is to help people step out of homelessness and back into their own home in the community. And that really came out of that time when we recognized the value that we could provide to the community by, in addition to providing emergency shelter to focus on housing, we actually started in 1923 as a Travelers Aid Society, which might sound familiar to some people and maybe not to others, but Travelers Aid Society was a national organization that had outposts in different cities across the United States. And here in Salt Lake, when they opened in 1923, they really did work with stranded travelers. So having stations at uh, the bus stations and the train stations, helping people who arrived with nowhere to go. And the work evolved. The work evolved to become a Salt Lake County-focused organization and to change to meet the changing needs of our community. As our population grew, as the city of Salt Lake expanded and homelessness took on a different face, I think the Road Home really worked to meet whatever the current need is and to work closely with our state and county and cities to make sure that we could be that partner to help people in the current needs that were happening in the community and 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 so we became the road home and really expanded into operating housing programs and in two ways. One, investing in our team that which does what we call housing navigation. So that work to help individuals and families figure out what are their barriers to housing? How can we help reduce some of those barriers? So if they owe money to a landlord or owe money to a utility company, that's something that we're going to need to help them pay off before they can be accepted and approved into a new home. Mm-hmm. And, and then work with our uh, funders and our federal government to bring in some resources to help us do that, some barrier removal funding, a small amount of rental assistance money for people that, uh, you know, could use that for a short time as that little extra to help get out of the shelter. What we had learned over our time was that people were staying in the shelter who really just needed to save up money for that deposit and first month's rent. Hmm. And honestly, these days, it's more like two or three months rent that you need to put in for a deposit. And that was a big barrier when you're not making a lot of money to save up that large amount of money at one time. And, and, and you know, finding ways to help people overcome those barriers was really important to us. So we continue to do that work Working closely with landlords who are our very good partners throughout the community, landlords that want to rent to our population, that have more affordable units, making sure that we are there to support those landlords, and then developing some housing on our own as well. And that housing really is specifically supportive housing, permanent supportive housing for individuals and families who have been homeless for a long time, who have experienced chronic homelessness, who have different kinds of disabilities that have led to them being homeless for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so we have three different locations where we provide permanent supportive housing uh, in addition to helping people live in rentals with private landlords across the community with shorter term rental assistance. Mm -hmm. So really trying to fill that gap with the resources
1: that we were able to bring to the table. So I'll, I'll, we'll dig in a little more. You mentioned you have three locations, which may be news to some people. Um, a lot of people know that you've gone through some pretty big changes recently. We'll talk more about that coming up, but I want to talk about what's going on this week at the Road Home, specifically this Wednesday and Thursday, the 20th and 21st. Alicia, it's the uh, Media-Thon, and this is something that has been around for how many years now?
2: You know what? We are going on 30 years wow. that we have had this event, and it's just an honor and a privilege that it's still happening. We're so grateful.
1: And a bunch of uh, radio stations including um ours fm 100 103.5 the arrow uh, the ksl sports zone and ksl news radio will all be there both days all day raising money there's several other radio stations and tv stations uh, from salt lake that will be there too kind of a friendly competition but we we raise a whole bunch of money for the road home um what how can people help so if you're listening to your favorite radio station on wednesday or thursday and you hear hey we're out at the road home what, what what's the call to action
2: yeah, so as we mentioned, this event has been happening for almost 30 years, which is so exciting. And it's with, uh, you know, we will have upwards of around 11 media stations broadcasting live from our Midvale Family Resource Center on Wednesday and Thursday. And during that time, you can participate in a number of ways. One is this is a great time um, for us to collect in-kind items or like item donations that people in, that are utilizing our services can use. So especially things um, like coats, have anything to help keep people warm. Um, we need um, items like diapers um, for kids new underwear for adults um, shampoo conditioner you know all of those kind of items so any kind of items if you're out doing your holiday shopping and you can pick something up that is great or if you have something in your home that is gently used that you want to bring down we can use it Um, along with that you can actually as you mentioned all of the stations have a friendly competition to see who can raise the most Um, money to support the programs and services that we provide. Um, And so you can go online at theroadhome.org and donate there. And um, it's great because you can choose your favorite station to donate to. And The stations do, as you say, it's a friendly competition for most stations, you know, but it's a great um, way to support. Um, And we also will have generous sponsors that will be matching donations, which is wonderful. So this really helps us to ensure that we can provide um, the programs and services needed to help people overcome homelessness.
1: And it's right there on the main page. I should have mentioned the, the website address at the beginning, theroadhome.org. And you'll see Mediathon. The first thing, and if you just click there, the next thing, it'll say, uh, you know, tell me what's your favorite station, and you can pick one there and then make the donation. And there's information about where your money goes and how it helps the program. And I can't believe we've been doing that for 30 years.
2: It's So
1: exciting. We're speaking with Michelle Flynn, who is executive director, and Alicia Gleed, who is the communications specialist at The Road Home, and the website, theroadhome.org. And you don't, by the way, have to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. It's active right now. If you just can't stand it and you want to go make a donation, you can do that. Although, like uh, Alicia mentioned, uh, sometimes it's better to do it on Thursdays and Fridays when there's those matches going on. So, Michelle, I think, you know, I've lived here most of my life, and I think for most people who have, you mentioned the road home, and the first thing they think of is that big building just south of the Gateway, and that's not really a location anymore. Kind of, for those that I still think there's still some people that don't know, you've gone through some pretty big changes recently. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Yes, absolutely. That was a facility that we worked out of for many years that we served all populations, men, women, and families with children, and the need kept growing. It kept growing and growing, and that building was no longer sufficient uh, it was it was too many people for that facility. Mm-hmm. And it really was a strong collaboration with the county and the state and the cities to decide to instead invest in multiple smaller locations to provide shelter. And so currently we operate the Pamela Atkinson Resource Center in South Salt Lake City, which is up to 300 men who stay in that facility, though we are in our winter months, which allow us to bring in an additional 75 people a night to that facility We also operate the Gail Miller Resource Center in Salt Lake City, which is 200 or 250 now beds for men and women on two different floors in that location, as well as our family resource center in the city of Midvale, where we have been for about 28, 29 years. So three resource centers to provide that emergency uh, immediate night of shelter and have on site case management and services and the new facilities that came out of that work are so much better suited to help people they are they were built to ensure that we had program space to have a kitchen and a cafeteria so we could provide meals hot meals you know just getting food in someone's belly consistently that they know they can count on gives them so much more strength to move forward and address the other things that are happening in their lives And there's partnerships that are able to happen on those facilities as well. There's a space for our partners at Four Street Clinic to come in and make sure they can address any medical needs that uh, by being there on site at the facilities. So really, really good. And they did open, as you mentioned, in the beginning of the hour right before the pandemic. And we were never so grateful as to be in those facilities and and out of the larger, very crowded facility than we were during the pandemic. We also operate an overflow facility during the winter months. And we have three permanent supportive housing locations uh, that serve uh, Palmer Court, has about 200 different apartments for families as well as single individuals. Wendell Apartments and Magnolia Apartments in Salt Lake City also provide that permanent supportive housing with on-site case management that work in just a very personalized way with each individual or family to help them meet their goals, to make sure that they're connected with services that they need, whether it be additional income, employment. We have partnerships with the Department of Workforce Services for uh, the children, making sure the parents know how to access affordable daycare before or after school, as well as uh, having good relationships with the school system. So lots and lots of different ways that those case managers know to get resources for each individual family or household. And those are permanent. So people can stay as long as they need to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and some do move on and some stay for longer periods of time. The ch- one of the challenges, as we all know, is the cost of housing right now. Uh, the rental uh, market is very, very tight and, and people are seeing increases in most every rent uh, that's out there. and so. We want to make sure that we can keep people stable in the facilities that we operate and that we can help people who need assistance with uh, paying rent in private landlord spaces as well. And that's really, again, a tremendous partnership. We have lots of partners helping us with that particular uh, uh, housing assistance from the housing authorities, Housing Connect to Utah Community Action and funding from the state, the city, and the county. We still have a long way to go, but we are uh, doing some really great work in helping people end their homelessness every day.
1: For sure, for sure. And I, one of the things that I see, because I interview all of these different organizations, is how well you all work together and how you find, you know, well, we can't do that, but we have somebody else that can. Um, I, I just love how in our city, and I don't know if that's the case everywhere, that all of our nonprofits work so closely together and in, in, in such a friendly way.
0: I agree. I think we're, you know, we're definitely special here in that sense. We have a lot of support for each other and uh, volunteers uh, in the state of Utah that come and help. And we do really appreciate and respect, and we know what we're good at. We're, mm-hmm. we, we are good at providing emergency shelter and helping people with housing, and our partners are experts at health care and mental health counseling support and, you know, all of those other things that are so important to housing stability. And so we don't want to duplicate those efforts. We want to bring them in and have them share their expertise.
1: Right, right. Feel like there's been a little shift in philosophy in the last, I don't know, decade or two about how we handle homelessness. I know one thing that is a big uh, priority for the Road Home is immediate housing, getting somebody in in housing immediately. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important?
0: Sure. I mean, listen, we know that a shelter is not a good place for anyone, no matter how well we we try and make it a trauma-informed space and a safe space. It's traumatic to be in that crisis situation, and so. For our families with children, our ideal is for them to never have to come into a shelter. So we partner with our uh, friends at Utah Community Action who work to divert families when they show up and single individuals to see if there's a safe place for them to stay. But when that isn't possible, to help them come in and get the help and services they need. So it's really a, a, a goal of ours that if a family or individual does come in, that everything that we do is consecutive with helping them find housing. So we provide that safe place to stay. We talk to them from as soon as they arrive at our front door about what's happening with your housing, what led to your arrival here, what barriers are out there, how can we help address those, and connect them with the support services and in the community that they can continue to access when they leave. As we're trying to help find the best kind of housing that's going to work for them, uh, we also are connecting them with those partners that we were talking about. So when they do move out and into their own home, they can take that sigh of relief, mm-hmm. relax their shoulders a little bit, <laughs> know that they have a place where they can shut their door and have some peace, and continue working with the same counselor or the same doctor that we were able to connect them with while they were in our facility getting that emergency care.
1: And I know that for the most part, when well, for, well, just about for any homeless person, they're not just dealing with the fact that they don't have a place to live. That's just one issue. Um, and so getting them into housing as quickly as possible allows them to then work on those other issues. and. Well, from what I have read is that that is the most effective way to go about it rather than dealing with the side issues first and then the homeless issue.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think we can all imagine what it would be like to live in a facility, whether you're a single individual or a family with young children, with so many other people around you, uh, with, um, you know, thinking about trying to set your alarm clock to get up to catch the bus to get to work in the morning um, in the midst of a dorm with, you know, multiple other people around or the children trying to come back from school and do their homework and not really have the private space that they need to do that. We, we, we It's easy to see uh, how that difference it makes uh, when people move into their own homes. And I get to hear those stories from our case management teams and from the people we're serving all the time. And it's always just this joy as our case managers are helping someone move into their apartment, and they are so glad to be, and they say things like, I'm so excited because I'm going to be able to cook myself mm. my first Uh, taco dinner, uh, then I'll be able to invite my child over who maybe I haven't seen for a while and have a space for them. And I haven't been able to cook for myself in so long. And I love to cook like those kinds of stories are just so uh, heartwarming. And uh, it makes us so grateful that we're able to do this work and really understand what it means for someone to be in their own place, where they don't have to worry about that being in that state of of homelessness. And hopefully they move on and they remain stable. And and that episode is is a distant memory. And they they don't ever have to even remember that, you know, where the road home is located in the days ahead.
1: And Alicia, every time I have uh, the road home on, I always like to ask this question, because I think a lot of people have some weird ideas about what homelessness is. Can you kind of talk about some of the biggest myths surrounding homelessness and maybe preconceived ideas that people have that just aren't true?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think so often when we see um, or we think about people experiencing homelessness, we picture people panhandling. They must be addicted to drugs. They must be, you know, not responsible, things like that. Um, they want to be homeless. And what I feel like we've been able to see in um, at the shelter is so often that is not the case. Um, we have so many people coming in that are just like me, you, a neighbor, um, you know, that just came on hard times, you know, maybe had a medical emergency where it became, do I pay my rent, do I pay my medical bill, um, you know, or just a series of things that happen. someone loses a job, and then there's a medical emergency, and how long can you sustain um, without, you know, in those circumstances and so I think really the biggest misconception that we see that I would love to address is that everybody that we're serving are just people you know and they're people who have hit a hard time whatever that hard time may be and they may or may not have Um, the support system that you or I may have, you know, I think so often if I was in a crisis, you know, am I in a space where I have family and friends that can maybe help me through that crisis? And so many people that we serve don't necessarily have that support um, for whatever reason, you know, maybe their family is also kind of in that paycheck to paycheck kind of situation, or maybe they need some, you know, more extensive help. There's just so many reasons Mm -hmm. um, that people experience homelessness. I think too, the other thing that has been so amazing to see is how hard, people work to get out of homelessness, you know, and once they have somebody like our case managers who are working so closely with people, and they know that that person can help them, it's amazing to see how hard people are working to be able to overcome that homelessness, to be back in a stable home, and seeing just kind of that joy on their faces when they are when they come and let you know, hey, you know, I I I get to move in today and I'm in a place of my own, and it's just it's so wonderful to see. And so I think knowing that, you know, the work that is happening, and um, you know, is, ha- is is incredible, and people are moving home every single day and overcoming homelessness and we couldn't do that work. Our teams could not do that work without the support of the community. Um, kind of, you know, as we talked about before with Mediathon, supporting during that, um, but also just asking people to kind of educate themselves, you know, follow us on social. We are, you know, posting things about what's happening in our community, but also terms across the nation. And there's so many ways that people can help. But I think, you know, sometimes we think this problem is so big, what I'm doing isn't going to make a difference. And I think, you know, Michelle and I are in this incredibly lucky situation where we can tell you it absolutely does make a difference you know that item that you donate makes a difference to the person that receives it those dollars that you donate do make a difference because they make it possible for these programs to happen and people to have a place to go when there's nowhere left to go
1: and let's just wrap it up by talking about the mediathon one more time it's happening this wednesday and thursday the 20th and 21st all day long at the uh, midvale family location and, and how do people if, if they want to physically go there and donate items how do they get there
2: yeah so the family um the Midbell Family Resource Center is located on 529 West and 9th Avenue, which is around 7300 South. So it's pretty close off the freeway. Um, you just go west, and then um, you'll turn on the road, and you just follow it. It looks kind of like you're going <laughs> into the railroad track, but it will curve around, and you'll find us. And um, There are volunteers that are going to be out there collecting item donations, so they will be right there. Make it a smooth and easy process. You can just drive up and drop off if you're in a hurry, um, and, you know, and you can donate that way. Or if you're so... If If you're busy and you're like, hey, I really don't have time to run down there, you can always go online, um, again, to our website at um, theroadhome.org, and you can donate monetarily on there. We also have a page that has the items that we need in an Amazon wish list, Mm -hmm. so we just want to make it as easy as possible um, for people to donate. And if you're in a position where maybe donating isn't possible right now, again, you can follow us on social media, share our posts, kind of help us spread the word um, of what is happening um, in our community, what's happening with the Road Home, and help us kind of get the message out there of the story of what's going on in our community and how we're trying to end homelessness.
1: It's a wonderful organization that I think we all, Salt Lake County residents, we should all be proud of the work that you're doing, and and thank you for the work that you're doing as well. This Wednesday and Thursday, you're going to hear all about it, pretty much any TV or radio station you're watching or listening to, and you definitely should help. Um, Michelle Flynn, who is Executive Director, Alicia Gleed, who is Communications, uh, I'm sorry, Communications
2: specialist <laughs> specialist and Alicia <laughs> yeah.
1: and Alicia Gleed, who is communication specialist with the road home and again the website theroadhome.org. Thank you both for what you're doing in our community.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with
2: you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to all along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.